0: Hey there, I'm excited to be here with you today, kicking off a series on how leaders can create a culture of accountability on their team and in their organization. This is going to be three or four podcasts around the idea of cultural accountability and how to build it. Today's focus, this is episode number 19 of the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, and it's a three-step process with the acronym REV, REV: R E V. And there's a step in there for each one of those letters. And we're going to talk about that process. I'm going to show you how a coaching client used it, how you can use it. We're going to talk about personal accountability and cultural accountability and get some definitions, what it looks like, what it doesn't look like, and give you more tools For building in those areas. So I'm excited about this series and I'm glad to be here with you today and I'm glad you're here. So let's get started. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere. Susie Price. Hi there. My name is Susie Price, and I am a professional facilitator, consultant, and author. And I'm the owner of Priceless Professional Development. We just completed our 12th year and in business. And I am the host and creator of the Wake Up Your Workforce podcast. And today is January the second, two thousand sixteen. So it is a brand new year, and it's a great time to focus on accountability and how to build it in organizations. It's a, a topic that is a hot button for many leaders, and this series that I'm doing, it's going to be a, a several episodes, as many as three, might be more, around cultural accountability and how to create it. It, it was started based on a conversation I had with Jim, who's an executive at a large insurance company, and Jim is really strong in accountability. I've known him for about a year. I've seen him uh, hold his people accountable, hold himself accountable, but when I was talking to him, we're getting ready to do a, a, a leadership team session, and I was getting feedback from him around his leadership team and their strengths and the development opportunities, what he wanted me to focus on in that session. And one of the things he kept coming back to, and it was so sincere and so heartfelt on his mind, and on his mind, he said, and I'm paraphrasing some things that he said, but I, I want to share them with you because I think a lot of leaders or a lot of us, Uh, consultants as well. How do we hold people accountable? How do we get better at that? And so here are some of the comments he made during that dialogue I had with him. He said, you know, I want to better understand what accountability looks like and sounds like. I mean, I'm accountable for my work, but how do I help everybody else be accountable? How do I deliver it effectively? How do we do a better job of holding people accountable who work for us? And how do we have the conversations so that they're more effective and people understand what we're expecting, and and yet they're motivated to go do it? And how do I stay on top of it so that I don't forget about or just let low performers continue to be low performers? So, those are some of the comments that Jim made during that conversation. It really stuck with me, not just his words, but the sincerity and the heartfelt interest in wanting to get better at this skill. And this is someone, like I mentioned, that is actually pretty good at holding people accountable. And of course I told him that. You know, I've seen this example and this example where you've done a good job. He said, Yeah, but I always feel like I could do better. I always feel like I let too many things go and I'm not as clear as I could be. And He was talking about, we want tools for that. So that inspired this series. So I'm going to be interviewing leaders and authors. I'm going to share with you some of the tools that I've learned over the years and that I use and share with coaching clients. I think I have an interview set up with the author of The Amazon Way, which is, his name is John Rossman. He was a director of enterprise services at amazon.com. That is not sealed yet, but he did confirm my, um, Email request to be on the podcast. So, crossing my fingers that I'll be able to present that interview with you, uh, with him for you around this topic and how does Amazon cover the cultural accountability piece. So, Look forward to that. Plus, we'll cover other topics in, in other epi- other episodes. The way to find the show notes for this episode is you're going to go to pricelessprofessional.com slash rev, R-E-V, and that's all lowercase. And if you'd like to see all the other podcasts that we've done so far, you can go to wakeupeagerworkforce.com. And that's all one word. So, I want to tell you about how you can get a complimentary or a free audiobook. And it's a book that I recommend called Crucial Accountability Tools for Resolving Violated Expectations, Broken Commitments, and Bad Behavior. And here's a little description of it. It's the second edition, it's by Carrie Patterson. These are the folks who came up with Crucial, crucial Conversations. And uh, here's a little summary of, of this audiobook. Hold anyone accountable, master performance discussions, get results. Broken promises, missed deadlines, and poor behavior, they just don't they don't just make other lives miserable. They can sap up to fifty percent of organizational performance and account for a vast majority of divorces. Wow. Crucial accountability offers the tools for improving relationships in the workplace and in life and for resolving all of these problems permanently. Crucial conversations, their whole series, the crucial accountability um, series and all the crucial work that they do is awesome. It's really well written and very inspiring. And the way you can get a complimentary audiobook is if you will use my affiliate link, pricelessprofessional.com slash audible. If you go there and you click on my link, it'll take you into audible.com and then you do a free month. They give you a free download and then I think you commit to 30 days and then if you don't want to continue, you opt out. But it gives you a chance to try out audible.com and gives you a complimentary book around accountability. So that's Crucial Accountability, Tools for Resolving Violated Expectations, Broken Commitments, and Bad Behavior. It's the second edition. And it's on, if you use my link, pricelessprofessional.com slash audible, you can enjoy listening to great tools and more information around accountability. All right, let's start at the beginning place and just spend a few minutes talking about what is a culture of accountability? What does it look like? What does it sound like? And I've had the good fortune in my 12 years as a consultant to be able to step inside many different companies and see many different teams and leaders in action. And you get a lot of insight just from observation and interaction and not being in the team, but being able to observe the team. And I've seen teams, if you use the scale of one to 10, one being, okay, the natives are loose, nobody's accountable to anybody, to 10, which was the high cultural accountability. Everyone says what they're does what they say they're going to do. I've seen teams and leaders and organizations that are as low as a two or a three. So very low cultural accountability. And I've seen as high as seven, maybe an eight. I can't say that I've ever seen a nine or a 10. And of course, that's all subjective. But what that tells us that many leaders struggle with the same thing Jim was talking about earlier when I was sharing his request. So, you know, we don't really even know oftentimes what eight, nine, or ten where everybody's accountable, what would that even look like? What would it sound like? And Because we don't really have a lot of role models and a lot of people struggle with it. And so that's some of the things we want to cover in this series that we're doing uh, over these next months. So when we don't have a great role model or real vision of a possibility, sometimes it's hard to move towards it. And also sometimes thinking about what the opposite is like helps make the ideal clear. Uh, you never know more about what you do want until you've experienced what you don't want so I'm gonna share with you uh, an interaction I had with a company who had very low accountability and I was ve- it was very clear and obvious because I spent a lot of time with their employees. We had done an employee engagement opinion survey so it was online and it was anonymous and they had low scores in a lot of areas around accountability and around communication. And so the executive team wanted more insight one-on-one with people. So I, I talked to a high percentage of their employees in focus group meetings. And some of the symptoms of the low culture, some things that were happening that people were complaining about or struggling with is, you know, a lot of people called in sick. the uh, People Uh, We're missing deadlines. One of the biggest complaints in the focus group, people talked about there's so many people who pass the buck. If I call another department for help, I get passed around because who I call says, hey, it's not my job. There was a lot of discussion about not trusting the senior leaders, not trusting their manager, very worried about participating in the focus group discussions. You know, how confidential is this? I mean, you get that in any organization a little bit, but this was uh, extreme and so very low trust, not trusting who they work with, not trusting their manager, not trusting their executive team, all are how, what we can see as, and is pretty obvious, is a low culture of accountability. People who were trying to be high performers said, hey, it's hard to get things done. I can't even move things through because of the, it's not my job, or people not picking up their work. And and the other complaint was low performers, people with bad behaviors, were still in their job. I remember somebody saying that the leaders have just given up on some of the low performers and just say, oh, that's just Jimmy Bob. That's what he does. And so, it was very disheartening for the higher performers to have these low performers not being dealt with. A lot of customer complaints. There were people who were very customer oriented in some of the focus groups, and they were very concerned about customers not getting their needs met, what was going to happen to the company, people being in their silos, protective of their self or their own department, not working on what's good for the company. So we're going to meet our numbers, and we don't care if you meet yours and i have to say it was a very stressful consulting assignment for me I, it was painful to listen to all the angst and it is that is not typical uh, at least from my view of the companies that i worked for over the years and then the, and then as a consultant the companies that i've been able to step into this was an extreme example but it's a good example of what low accountability looks like, feels like, sounds like. I mean, the feeling was anger, frustration, and suspicion. And in that cloud of all that vibe is uh, the inability to get things done. And so the company was struggling. And so we came up with some, you know, reporting and action items and they're working towards creating a, a higher level of accountability, um, But they had a good example of low scoring. We're missing out on this. So if you have cultural accountability, you've got people count on each other, the opposite of the complaints I just talked about. People complete the tasks they're assigned. They focus on their role. They do what they can in their role to help the organization. If, and if they don't complete the task and they're not working toward the good of the organization, there's repercussions. So leaders know how to hold effective discipline conversations and they follow up until the issue is corrected or the employee is asked to leave. Um, so, you know, a summary of a high cultural accountability is people are consistent in doing the right thing in all aspects pertaining to their job. And they work together toward a common goal. So that's high cultural accountability. That's what we're reaching for. And if we could build an organization of people who have this personal skill, it's a it's so you've got the culture of accountability, and then individually, one of the leadership characteristics, and actually performance characteristics that have shown up in all the benchmarks that we've done, over 6,800 positions for hiring with my assessment company, TTI Success Insights, 98% of the benchmarks that we do show personal accountability as one of the top seven personal skills that employees must master in order to have superior performance on the job. So personal accountability is a key characteristic that you want to be looking for in individuals. So if somebody has high personal accountability and you have a whole team of people who have high personal accountability, then you're you're more likely to lean closer towards having a higher Cultural accountability, because you've got a bunch of people who are naturally accountable. They already have this skill set built within themselves, and you can measure it in the Trimetrics HD assessments that we use. And I talked about Trimetrics HD in my episode number 18, and it's at pricelessprofessional.com, Trimetrics, T-R-I-M-E-T-R-I-X, all lowercase, if you want to listen to that podcast. but. Now, basically, what's the definition of personal accountability? It's the ability to be responsible for the consequences of one's own actions, acknowledging without hesitation or guilt one's accomplishments and wins. It's also embracing all decisions and not shifting focus or blame on someone else or, or somewhere else. So people who have a high personal accountability, that's who you want on your team. And uh, they'll do a good job even if they're not managed that well. Even if they're a poor fit for the job, even in stressful situations, they are just have a strong work ethic, strong initiative. They come into the role already oriented towards that. You all know what I'm talking about. You think you're probably thinking of people on your team who you would describe like this. Uh, Personal accountability definition. So people who have high personal accountability, they're your, you know, I use car analogies a lot. They're your race car champions. They just are going to pull through no matter what. They're going to have a good day no matter what. They're going to get it done no matter what. So either they may leave a company or a leader who mismanages them, but they'll typically continue to perform until their last day. And so we want to have a team of people who already have personal accountability, and that starts going a long way towards building a culture of accountability. So I've written some uh, articles, and I've done a few podcasts around it. Um, There are uh, three biggest interview mistakes, and I talk about uh, how to look for personal accountability, and I give you some articles, and I give you some interview questions on how to look for that in, in your interviews, and you can go Find that or listen to that at pricelessprofessional.com/slash-interview-mistakes. All one word, lowercase. And then I wrote an article about personal accountability, and I have a a little quiz on there where you can quiz yourself if you complete the quiz you end up on my newsletter list so just be forewarned you can always get off my list if you don't want to be on it but it's a neat little quiz about measuring okay how how strong is my my own personal accountability and then i have a little mini workbook with with some exercises that you could use For your own development or for coaching someone, you're trying to help them build the skill of personal accountability. But I don't know if people realize that that's actually a skill that we can build. And the smart thing to do is build a team of people who already have that ability and that most people don't realize that you can actually measure it. And you can't. there is a little bit of an intro. I didn't feel like I could start this series about accountability without spending some time confirming what is cultural accountability, what does it look like, um, you know, and, and explaining about the skill personal accountability. So, so powerful. But. In some ways, I, I felt like I needed to do that to set up this podcast, but in some ways I know that it's not all that helpful because really, at the end of the day, we all know how great it is when you have someone who's got high personal accountability. It's refreshing. You you could count on them, and we want everybody to be like them, and we, we don't have a team already that's made of people who have high personal accountability. You know, because we really all know what low accountability looks like. It's something, anything from somebody who's not doing the job all that well. It could be a mild form of low accountability. So like somebody who is slow to take action or they uh, don't take initiative as much as you would like. Or it could be a more extreme example of low accountability where you've got somebody missing deadlines, calling in sick, not doing the job, being a little bit like the company I talked about where I'd done the focus groups where they're disruptive, it's not my job, that kind of thing. See, so you, you have all levels of that. And most of us have all worked with people and for people and had people working for us that fell in some of those categories around low initiative or low job ethic kind of situations. So now we're going to get into the meat of it because, and that's what I want the rest of this series to be about. I want to give you specific actions you can take. And I want to show you how you can do it. Kind of what Jim said in the beginning around, uh, you know, hey, I want to know what it looks like. I want to know what it sounds like. So that's my objective in this series is to give you that. Um, So... We, I'm going to give you some things that are going to help you take action so that you can feel that you've been fair and that you've been honest with employees. You've told them what's, what is happening and you've done it in a way where you didn't lose your temper and you didn't make things worse and you're actually moving your team and your organization where you have an environment where the turnaround can occur, where somebody who has low initiative can find their way to build that. And, you know, at the at the minimum, at the end of conversations, when you have somebody who's not performing or not being as accountable in their position as you want them to be, uh, they at least know after they've interacted with you what changes they need to make. So that's our start. That's where we're headed. And that's where we're going to go now. OK, I have another audiobook recommendation for you This is a CEO that I work with. It's his favorite book. And um, many of the people in his organization have read it. And I have skimmed it. I haven't read it completely. Um, But it is available on audible.com through my link, pricelessprofessional.com slash audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And the title of the book is The Oz Principle, Getting Results Through Individual and Organizational Accountability. It's written by Roger Connors, Tom Smith, Craig Hickman, and here's a little overview of it. The Oz Principle is the groundbreaking work that demonstrates the vital role of accountability in the achievement of business results and the improvement of both individual and organizational performance. With more than a half million copies sold, the Oz Principle has emerged as one of the most influential and useful business ideas of recent times. The Oz Principle shows how to overcome the blame game that is so prevalent in organizations today. Oh, ain't it so? So let's check that book out. Go to pricelessprofessional.com audible. Use my affiliate link. You get a free download with a um, free, if you subscribe, and then you can unsubscribe if you decided you don't want Audible, but you can get that book, The Oz Principle. So I mentioned that there's a three-step process and the acronym is REV, R-E-V. And I already mentioned that I'm going to share a real-life example, and this is a situation. But first, let me give you the three steps. And again, in the show notes, you can go to pricelessprofessional.com slash REV, R-E-V, and you can, you can uh, see these and, and make notes or copy these if you're, if you're riding in your car or walking your dog and you want to remember these. These really work. So the REV process is... A process to help you build an action plan for an employee. And it's three steps. And the R in the in the rev is remove obvious barriers. The E, expectations for performance. Are they clear? So remove obvious barriers, expectations for performance. Are they clear? And V verify job fit. So we're gonna follow a client. His name is Mike, he manages Managed about 40 people at the time I was talking to him. He was trying to figure out how to help one of his employees, who was a young supervisor, improve his performance. He was kind of frustrated with the guy, but he thought he had potential. So he wasn't an extreme example of low accountability, but there were some problems. And this is just a paraphrase of some of the comments that Mike shared. He said, I think his heart's in the right place, and he does do most of the work, but he doesn't think ahead, and he doesn't think about what else he can do unless I suggest it. And I really want him to take ownership, but something's not there and I'm not sure what to do about it. And that's something I hear from people. I was talking to an owner of a a brokerage firm and uh, he was talking about, I want my people to take ownership. We're a small team and they don't. How do I do that? So here's the REV process, remove obvious barriers, expectations for performance, and verify job fit. They're all three steps I'm going to break them down and talk about them one at a time, but you could handle them simultaneously. So you could do all three of those steps at the same time, and they overlap in many ways. And a little bit about them is what I like about the REV process is it gives you, the leader, the manager, the person in charge, responsibility for taking your part in the process, taking positive action. So it doesn't it gets you off of, oh, gosh, I wish you'd do better, or, or she's making me crazy. She doesn't take initiative. Or she doesn't take ownership. It gets you off the problem and onto taking positive action. So you, you start initiating and taking initiative toward the solution. It gets you out front and it helps eliminate some of your frustration because you're taking action. And the fact that you are taking action, you are demonstrating strong personal accountability in actually using this process. This process is a mind map. Rev is a mind map. It's basically a way to think through or a thought process for figuring out what actions you need to take with this individual. And it really lays the groundwork for future conversations so that you can be... if you are clear in this process, which I'm going to give you the steps to help you do that, you can, you can ensure accountability because the clearer you are, the more direct you are, the easier it is to follow back up with this person and, and hold them accountable. It's when things are fuzzy, it's hard to hold people accountable. And it clears confusion. Sometimes, um, we are all the time, what am I saying? Sometimes every leader is has more on their plate than they can handle and they're juggling it all and all the different personalities and all the different responsibilities. And if you follow these three steps, it sometimes when someone's not performing, all we know is that we're agitated. And, and just using the steps will clear the confusion and help you figure okay, what's really going on here? And how do I move forward with this person? What do I do next? So it really helps you think objectively. So now let's go into the steps. Uh, So the first is remove obvious barriers. And here's the questions you're going to ask around this step. Does this employee have the right tools, experience, and training to do the job? Are there structural team or company issues getting in the way? And are you leading, managing, and supporting the, the employee in the best and most effective way? So we're looking at the basics. You know, they have the right tools, experience, and training. So you're going kind to of go back and look at that and examine that. Do they, is there something that they are, don't have that's keeping them from being effective, taking initiative, take, being accountable, owning the job? Are there things within the company, processes, procedures, issues? getting in the way so that they can't do their job. And then lastly, how are you leading and managing this person? Are you doing the things that can help this person be most effective? So those are the questions you want to ask yourself. The first two are pretty clear. You can think about those. And I can think of a million different examples when I ask those questions to myself. I think of situations where an employee wasn't performing, you know, what you need to do. And, and let's go back to Mike, who managed this one young supervisor who wasn't owning the job. And so after we talked about this but around this individual, he decided that, okay, this guy is a young supervisor. He needs more mentoring he doesn't really have a vision, which I talked about earlier. Sometimes it's hard to move towards something if you don't know what the ideal is or you've not experienced it. So he was—he decided he was going to have give this young supervisor some mentoring by one of his peers in another location who does—who's more experienced and is really a good role model. So he was going to have him go work with this person. Uh, I forget exactly how often, but uh, uh, at least once a week, so he could get some you know, role modeling going on there. And he's going to spend a few, oh, here it is. I have it in my notes. Spend a few hours a week shadowing the high performer so he could understand how to perform in the role and what does high performance look like. And he was also going to schedule him for some, there was some skill training where he realized, okay, this employee is hesitating because he's not really clear about his ability in some of these things. So we're going to get him signed up for that. We looked at a review process on ordering items, so the supervisor um, was slow on getting some of the things he needed to get done because the manager, Mike, realized he was a bottleneck, so he he was slowing up the process because he couldn't get to approval. So he's like, okay, wait a minute, that's a process that's slowing him down. I'm going to get myself out of the middle of that and quit being the bottleneck. Um, and then Mike also talked about his own desire to control everything. He hadn't specifically said to the supervisor, like, for example, ordering the items and, uh, you know, set up very clear um, steps that where he has responsibility and authority, he'd been micromanaging him a bit. And that was something Mike is always working on. So he, we talked about how he could give this employee in, in, in action and in language, So not only say you have responsibility and authority and here's what that looks like, but actually allow him to make mistakes, allow him to learn, quit hovering over him and checking in every second, you know, give him the information, make sure he has the skills to do it and let him go. And if he doesn't get it done, then he learns from that mistake. Um, so that was a long conversation we had around that because that's something like those And it's hard. It's hard to let go, especially if you've done the role that the new person or the young person has, you, you know, the best way to do it, but that, that gets in our way because they never get the confidence to figure out how to do it themselves. So. So we got a lot out of this step, removing obvious barriers. What we also looked at is they had done assessments. And so we looked at this employee's communication style and top motivators and drivers. And I have some memory jogger sheets that I use to help help Mike realize, of, okay, I'm not really managing him. I'm managing him the way I like to be communicated with and what my motivators are and this young supervisor is pretty opposite from me. So there's some actions I can take as a leader to make the communication more comfortable and to help meet his motivation needs and just being more clear about that in his role. And um, one last thing we talked about is this employee is a millennial and he Mike had it in his mind that you know, gosh, millennials, they don't listen to you. And Mike is very, uh, regulatory kind of oriented and, and growing up in his career, he always did everything his leaders asked to him. And so he had, he was frustrated with this millennial. So, uh, I have a podcast about millennials, uh, where I interviewed an expert around and he was going to listen to that and try to kind of reset his mindset because he was assuming all along that, you know, this, this guy is, just a millennial and and they're not going to do as much as I did. And he kind of had that in his mind. He's going to try to retrain himself a little bit around that and not lead with that thought process um, and not assume that that's, you know, because if you assume that, then, you know, you can't hire any millennials. And and the, the truth is, everybody, if you get the right person in the right role, it, no matter what their age is, they can perform if they're the right person and they have the abilities. And uh, I think Mike thought he did. I was hoping that he did. So he wanted to kind of reorient himself around that. And that in that particular podcast, uh, they debunk a lot of the myths around millennial based on their research. So those are some of the actions. You can see, he got a lot of action steps out of remove obvious barriers. Once he stopped and thought about it. Does this employee have the right tools, experience, and training? Are there structural team, structural team, or company issues getting in the way? And how are you leading, managing, and supporting this employee? Is it in the way that best serves that employee? So lots of action items out of that step. So that's remove obvious barriers. So now the next step is the E in the Rev process and its expectations for performance. Are they clear? And here are the questions related to that. And again, you can go to the show notes to get these just to use as your own mind map. In fact, I'll try to, what I'll do is I'll create a PDF that you can download that has just the REV steps and then has the uh, questions that won't take me long to create. And so you can download them and say, okay, I'm going to use this as my own mind map. So here are the questions. Does this employee clearly understand top focus areas and priorities in the job and have they been discussed? Has the employee had the opportunity to help craft the actions and measurements for each performance area? So now here's the top three to five priorities, uh, young supervisor for this job. This is what I want you to focus on. And then underneath that, okay, here's how we're going to measure it. And and did the employee have an opportunity to help craft those actions and measurements so there's more buy-in? And then if performance expectations are in place or once they're in place, are employees held accountable, accountable to them? Do you have how's it going meetings every every couple of weeks and say, how's it going? Are you meeting your goals? Very, you know, regular check-ins, especially with someone who's struggling with initiative. You have to have to have some check-ins to help them get some momentum and some confidence. So what Mike realized, and I see this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, and that is um, Mike thought he had been clear about what was needed, expectations, what the priorities were. But when I talk to this young supervisor, not clear at all. And so I think we assume that. I mean, I even do it in my personal life, even though I know better. Um, I have my uh, young adult nephews living with me, and I will expect that they know because they see my example that they'll put their dishes in the sink and they'll they'll do this and they'll do that. Even though they're young adults, I they still don't do it. And I think I get annoyed and I think they should know, they should know to do that. And actually I even did that today, which cracks me up. And then I thought to myself, the very next thing is, have I ever said to them, Hey, while you're staying here, one of the things we like to do is we keep a really neat house. So when you finish with your dishes, my preference is for you to put them directly into the, to the dishwasher. Yes, they're young adults. Yes, they should know. But really, in fact, I do know that's not how they grew up. Uh, They didn't have a neat and orderly household. So, I mean, it's not relevant, but it's relevant to what we do today. And I think we do that sometimes with employees. We think, well, they should know. This is obvious. And sometimes we just need to back up and list the priorities or list the expectations and review them with with people. Now, I have a Uh, dashboard process. I call it a dashboard. So you think about dashboard in your car, top three to five priorities. You think about your dashboard. You know, it's not everything that has to do with your car, but it's the key things that keeps your car running, gas in your car, your speedometer, your GPS, key tools. So same thing with the job. There's three to five priorities, you know, in every job, and they may shift a little bit, but there's three to five things that have to happen in order to have success. And I have a video that walks you through how to do a dashboard, which is basically performance expectations. And then once you have the three to five priorities, you just sit the employee down, go through them and say, okay, how are we going to measure this this quarter? How can we know you've done this priority well? And you get them involved in the conversation. So Mike had not really done this with his young supervisor because of his micromanagement thing that he has been working on. Uh, he had elaborate checklists, which were overwhelming, not to Mike, because he's been in the business for 25 years, but the young supervisor would just kind of glaze over. Plus, that's not how he works. So they were accurate, but they were overwhelming to him because he's new in the industry. So the dashboard just kind of helps clarify all the clutter and says, okay, these are the three to five things that have to happen. If you miss any of these, you're off in a ditch. And, and, you know, that's going to be a problem. So it helps people focus. So if you go to pricelessprofessional.com slash dashboard, you will see my video. It's like less than seven minutes or something. I can't remember how long it is, but it shows you how to do the process. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with the employee. Um, you can do it with, we do it a lot in other situations, but anyway, it's a great process. We'll get very clear on expectations for the job. And I like I said I see this a lot. The manager says, "Of course they're clear. They know. They should know." And you go talk to the employee and like, "No, I'm not really sure what she wants from us." And and using my nephew example feels like a really good example of you know they should know. They should know. But guess what? I haven't ever explicitly said it. I mean, I have now, but anyway. Um, and then Mike committed to, to the other action that he was going to take with his supervisor is have short accountability troubleshooting meetings around the dashboard on a regular basis. So uh, he was letting things go. He's either over managing or under managing him. So when he has the dashboard, now he can have very quick conversations weekly. You know, how's it going on the dashboard? Pull it out. How you doing? What's your measurement? What's working? What's not? And I, uh, in one of the podcasts I did where I interviewed um gentleman from Cobb EMC, he talked about holding how's it going meetings where he just does check-in meetings and he, and he, People expect it, and they're like, how's it going? And so he has them come in and share, how's it going? And then they go through, uh, Could at that time, you could go through a dashboard. So we've done Remove Obvious Barriers, and we've got our questions there, tools, structural issues, how you're leading. Expectations for performance. We're looking at okay, are they clear? Do people know what the top priorities are in the job? Have have they got measurements, and did they help craft those measurements so that they take ownership? And then, do you follow up on the expectations on a regular basis? So, if you've got very clear expectations, it's very easy. Especially when they're three to five priorities, it's very easy to do those check ins and just make that as part of your leadership. And as people start performing. Uh, more up to par and with higher levels of accountability. It helps build the accountability muscle because like, oh my goodness, she's going to check in with me next week. I, I have to do this. Um, so uh, expectation for, for performance using the dashboard is a key piece of the puzzle. And last but not least, we're going to the V and that is to verify job fit. And the question here is, is this person a strong fit for the job? Does does he match the style, motivators, personal skills, experience, and future goals required for success in the job? And that was something that Mike was not totally sure of. He thought he was. He said, you know, he may be a good fit, but he's going to revisit it in three to six months around the verifying job fit Um after he's done some of this other, remove obvious barriers and making sure the expectations are clear. And if at the end of six months, Mike decided if in performance has decreased or stayed the same, he's going to start taking effective discipline actions to move him toward termination. So put the pressure on. That's how you create accountability. You say, here's the performance. You give them time to try to perform up to it. And if they're not, then you, you do the effective discipline. The other thing, if he's only slightly improved, Mike's going to consider having him participate in a coaching process where he goes through the, takes the assessment, we compare him to a benchmark for his job, you know, and help him figure out, okay, whether to, what are the specific next step development actions he needs to take in order to be a better fit for the job? So, that verify job fit. That's what that is. And it's a key piece of it. I see it a lot... Um, it's interesting. I don't really. I work with teams who are struggling, of course, because that's why they call a consultant. But uh, I don't work with these teams that are a, oftentimes a one or a two or a three, not always, um, on the low scale about people aren't accountable at all. and you know the really troubled organizations or, tr- or troubled teams, that's just not my specialty, but I have a consultant who uses the assessments that I use. His name is Jim, and uh, he does that. That's his specialty. When organizations in this particular industry are have a team that's struggling in major, major ways, and they've thrown up their hands and say we don't know what we're going to do, um, he uses the assessment process that I talk about, the TriMetrics HD, to verify job fit and figure out, you know, development plans and actions, and is this savable? Can they even become a fit? And it's interesting to see, because he's dealing with struggling teams, and um, I help him interpret those assessments, and I do some debriefs, and it's interesting to see the people who have taken the assessments who are struggling, how many people are not a fit for the job. I mean, they're not a fit. It's a poor fit. There's all kinds of things that do not match. Their motivators don't match. Their personal skills don't match. And so it's obvious that if someone's not a good fit for the job, they're going to struggle in the job and you're going to have low accountability because they're not motivated by what the job rewards. They don't have the personal skills that are needed for success in the job. However, oftentimes people, when they're hiring, are not, not looking at fit they look at background and experience and say, okay, that must be enough. That's one of those interview mistakes I talk about in the, um, in the podcast around the, the biggest interview mistakes, and you can find that at com. So anyway, it just brings it home every time I uh, do work with Jim, the consultant, because troubled teams and people not being a fit is just so blaringly obvious when you see their assessment and you see c- comparing them to a benchmark how much they don't fit and how that leads to low performance. Um, so verifying job fit is a key piece of the REV process. And um, what's cool about having Mike and I spent probably maybe an hour, an hour and a half on the phone, walking through the REV process, just helping him think it through. And he had been frustrated with this employee for a while. And he's a typical leader who has a million things on his plate. All he knew was that things weren't going well but he wasn't sure what his plan of action should be. And by the time we finish with the three steps in in an hour, maybe an hour and a half, Mike had a good plan of action. And you could tell he was relieved. He felt empowered. You know, and he's taken that vibe to this promising young supervisor we think is promising and going to, that vibe of, okay, I know what we're going to do. Let's work on this together uh, could help change the whole dynamic of, helping this employee move forward and feeling empowered. And uh, and Mike can be more clear about his expectations with this employee. And then the employee's job is to then take charge of that and take charge of his career. So I really like the REV process. I hope you can benefit from it. Remove obvious barriers. Expectations for performance. Are they clear? And then verify job fit. Again, all three steps could be taken at the same time. They're not necessarily linear and they do overlap. When you go to the show notes, uh, pricelessprofessional.com slash rev for this episode, you'll see some tools around the each step of the process. And again, I'll keep that, uh, I'll create a PDF for you with just the questions so that if you want to think, use this mind map in the future, uh, you can or share it with other people. So try the rev steps. If you have an employee whose performance is not where you need it to be, it's simple and it works. And A culture of accountability is about one-on-one working with people, one-on-one to build their performance and to help them stay accountable. So it starts with hiring people who maybe already are oriented towards being accountable. They have high personal accountability. And then it continues with leaders who are meeting with each of their employees and going through processes to hold them accountable. And the REV process is one place to start. Okay, I have another audiobook for you. It's called The Amazon Way, 14 Leadership Principles Behind the World's Most Disruptive Company. That's by John Rossman. In The Amazon Way, Rossman introduces listeners to the unique corporate culture of the world's largest internet retailer with a focus on the 14 leadership principles that have guided and shaped its decisions and its distinctive leadership culture. Peppered with humorous and enlightening firsthand anecdotes from the author's career at Amazon, this revealing business guide is also filled with valuable lessons that have sure served the CEO, the CEO's everything store so well. I'm a big Amazon fan, and uh, this is a great book, and you can get it for free at via audible.com by using my affiliate link, pricelessprofessional.com slash audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, pricelessprofessional.com slash audible. Well, I'm pleased to have had time with you today on this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This has been episode number 19 around the REV process. Uh, I do have an app and you can go get that app. And if you download it on your iPhone or you can go through Stitcher, um, you can actually, the episodes will show up. So if you're interested in this series around accountability and you want to make sure you don't miss one, just download the app. It's free, and you can find it at WakeUpEagerWorkforce.com and you'll see right there at the top a place where you can download the app on iTunes, or you can go to Stitcher and subscribe, which is for Android. And uh, the episodes will be there, and you can just click on the app, and you don't have to do anything but listen while you're driving or um, going to work or walking the dog or washing clothes or all the things that I do when I'm listening to podcasts. The show notes for today's episode, again, are at PricelessProfessional.com slash Rev, R-E-V. And uh, I enjoyed talking with you today. I appreciate you signing in. If you have comments or questions, reach out to me. You can go to my website at PricelessProfessional.com, and you'll see the contact information there. Send me a note. My email address is susie at PricelessProfessional.com, S-U-Z-I-E. And uh, we look forward to, or I look forward to, talking with you on the next episode and uh, hopefully we'll be having that interview with uh, with that author. If not, we'll find other wonderful people to interview around accountability. But we'll be staying on this series for a while. I'm also going to share a process. It's a uh, effective discipline coaching process how to have the conversation to, to, to explore and talk about problems that are going on on the job, and how do you help the employee get involved in finding the solutions and getting committed and engaged in solving the problem. So I will be sharing that step in one of these podcasts as well. So look forward to it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, your participation. And check out our directory of podcasts at, at uh, wakeupyourworkforce.com. Until we meet again, thanks.